0: This episode of The Detox Podcast is brought to you by Rebel Riot Printing. Celebrating their 10th year in business, Rebel Riot is locally owned and family operated, offering custom printed tees with no minimums and fast turnaround. And by Bitsbox. Bitsbox teaches kids to code. Real JavaScript, real devices, and really fun. Hands down the most fun way for curious kids ages 6 to 14 to learn coding. Use promo code DETOX for $20 off any subscription order of $50 or more. That's D-T-A-L-K-S Detox for $20 off any order of $50 or more with BitsBox. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world and get a window into how other people live their lives. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I have author, therapist, and most importantly, a dad, Mr. Mark Lowen. Mark comes on the show to discuss his two books, What Does a Princess Really Look Like?, as well as True Colors of a Princess. In addition, we talk about what his experience as a play therapist has been, uh, why he went into therapy in the first place, his coming out story, and a bunch of great topics you won't want to miss. So stick around. He'll be up right after the break. But first, we do have the Ask the Birth Guy segment with Brian Salmon. He'll be taking your next commonly asked questions. So stick around for that. And a really exciting announcement I want to uh, talk about this time Mark has been so gracious as to give away a signed copy of his coloring and activity book, The True Colors of a Princess. So we will be posting this episode on Facebook and Instagram. All you need to do is like the post and go follow Mark on Instagram or Facebook, as well as comment on the post. And we will pick someone from the comment section to win this signed copy of the book. It'll be super exciting Got all the details in the episode description as well as the post. So, all that great content and Mark and Brian after the jump, right after this.
1: Now it's time for Ask the Birth Guy. Hey guys, it's Brian the Birth Guy. This week's question's incredibly great. It's how do you know the difference between Braxton and Hicks and actual early labor? Pretty simple. Braxton and Hicks are kind of funky because nothing really happens with them. We have a joke in OB that goes, Braxton and Hicks walk into a bar and nothing happens. (laughs) Because that's exactly what, what goes on. With Braxton and Hicks, it's kind of like your body's trying out the way to have a contraction and maybe figure out how it wants to do it. Now, when you're in early labor, it's a little different. Early labor will start and you'll feel a tightening of your abdomen just like you would in Braxton and Hicks, but it'll hold out for about 45 seconds to a minute. Then you'll get a break. The break is typically between five and 20 minutes. Anything over 20 minutes means you're not exactly in early labor, but when you start having consistency of every like say 18 minutes, 18 minutes, then it goes to 14 minutes, maybe seven. These are just theoretical numbers by the way, but then suddenly you're in that five minute mode where you're having consistent contractions every five minutes. You know you're really deep into early labor. There's one more thing prodromal labor. Prodromal labor is horrid because what it means is your baby's probably in the wrong positions, which means their nose is facing towards mom's belly button, not towards her spine, and the body's really kicking into having heavy contractions. But the problem is, these contractions don't really get anywhere. So the uterus just tires out after a couple of hours, takes a break, and then starts at it again. But mom doesn't dilate and nothing exciting happens. When I run into this, I usually tell mom, get on your hands and knees, Rock your hips and maybe have someone give you some massage on your hips and uh, push on your lower back. Let's try and get that baby to spin so the baby's nose is facing the proper direction and we can have some normal contractions. You guys, great questions. Send them in for next week. I'm excited to be here. I'm Brian the Birth Guy. You can find me on Facebook at Brian the Birth Guy and on Instagram and Twitter at Birth Guy. I'd love to talk to you. And don't forget to listen to the Detox Podcast. Now back to your host of The Detox Podcast, Joe Shaw.
0: Welcome back to The Detox Podcast. With me at this time is Mr. Mark Lowen. Author extraordinaire of the wonderful children's book, "What Does a Princess Really Look Like?" Mark, thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you?
2: <laughs> I'm great. That was the best introduction I've ever received.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we, this, you know, <laughs> we, you, you've, you've reached uh, the upper echelon of uh, of uh, performances now, or or appearances, I should say. So we're we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> so happy
2: to be here. Right. All
0: right. Well, perfect. Well, Mark. There's a lot of great content and topics I want to cover uh, on this show today, but one of the things I like to ask different dads when they come on the show and different moms as well is I like to know what do you think makes a good parent?
2: Ah, that's a tough question, and I've heard you ask it on
0: the <laughs> podcast
2: before. Um, I'm going to say a good parent is willing to look at their own shit. Can I say shit? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Their own stuff. Um because kids will bring that up. So, I think a, what makes a good parent is somebody that is willing to look at their own stuff and reevaluate and, you know, grow.
0: Right. Absolutely. And that's so that's so true because I mean, one one thing that I think everybody can attest to being a parent is you come face to face really quickly with a lot of stuff that maybe you don't necessarily want to deal with. You know, you see your best and your worst qualities sometimes in your children and also reflected in yourself. And you have to, you have to understand it's like, okay, well now I, I've got to deal with this. How, how am I going to trudge forward? Right? Like what's the next, what's the next step after this?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I'm also a therapist, right? So, so, um, I, when you raise children in so many ways like you're you have how do I say this you do something very consciously you might say I'm going to do this totally different from my parents or I'm going to do it the way that my parents did it right right but then there is all this unconscious work that happens that so much that we just learned from seeing so we're not even really aware that we learned it because it's just Mm. implicit yeah, and so the way we kind of respond to people, the nonverbals, there's so much stuff that happens, or even just getting really upset, right, when right. the child is doing something that is fine, but if you had done it as a child, that would not be okay, right? And so right. it might just trigger you, and you're just upset, and you're just annoyed, and you don't even know why. Um, and so there's there's a lot of that. I think maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe some people have had better parents, and they don't go through. No, it too no, much but but
0: it. I think that that's a really good point, and I want to kind of like let's dive in a little bit more on that because I think that's so true. There are a lot of times that's man, that's really insightful. There are a lot of times where I feel maybe frustrated or irritated with with one or, one or both of my children, and I go, I don't understand why I'm so frustrated because they're not doing anything wrong you know they're not doing anything that is bad or destruct destructive or or this or that or the other and i'm just confused and baffled as to why i'm feeling this way but i think you're so right in that there are a lot of situations where you feel man, if I had done that in this situation when I was a kid or whatever, then I would have never heard the end of it or I would have been punished in this way or whatever and and right. I think yeah moments,
2: like if, if you had parents that would have been really strict for example right, right. and you would have said something um, I mean you learned not to do it because when you are little, your parents are your livelihood right so. So, you know, you need them to accept you and you need to be okay with them to, to survive basically. And so whatever they say at that moment goes, and then you grow older and you understand the difference, you know, like you become your own person and consciously, you know, you can change a lot of behaviors and a lot of thought patterns, but intuitively you still, when this happens, it clashes with that need to survive that you had as a child. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, you yes, know, yeah, a lot of times we don't, and then there's, we don't realize that that's happening. And but then there's the other part is just kind of like all of our own fears, right, and our right. own insecurity, is, is security. because we don't know if we're good parents or not. You know, like right. there's so many ways to define a good parent, and you do, you get certain feedback, right? But you don't know if your child is gonna how they're gonna turn out. Right. Um. There's a lot that you don't have control over. And you're constantly trying to control that and just constantly trying to do the best thing. And that's, that's really hard. And so there's, you know, it, there's uh, Rachel Simmons. I think I quote her in every interview. <laughs> um, Rachel Simmons is an amazing author. Uh, she talks a lot about raising girls. And, and um, one of, I'm going to probably say this wrong, but one of her interventions kind of is to say, res- how would, if you responded to your ch- child now without being worried about the future, but just addressing the today, you know, would you address it differently? And uh, you know, I would be a lot calmer, but I'm not right. like freaking out. If she took something without asking and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she's going to jail one day. You right,
0: know? right. <laughs> you make that you make that we oh. can't help but make that leap. I think it's almost a defense mechanism where we're really working hard to to make sure that they're taken care of later by, by guiding the the decision making today. Without I mean it's, yeah. yeah.
2: I mean it's such important job but you do you know and you don't get any you know you you don't know So you live in and the other thing that i say that is totally like on the other side of this right one right. what i'm saying what i just said now is like you know all these fears and things that are going on inside of you. the other side that i say to to people who aren't parents who you know might have a harder time understanding when parents complain a lot especially people who really want to be parents but mm-hmm. aren't able to is i say you know what think of think of your favorite snack or food or chocolate right the favorite one the best right. in the world and now think of having that every day three times a day breakfast lunch and dinner
0: <laughs> right you know
2: like it doesn't matter how sweet it is at right. some point you're gonna just not want it
0: right and so right
2: that's how it is to me like being a parent like oh my god you are the cutest but i'll i also need a break you know like right. i can't have you all the time
0: right <laughs> And I think I think it's uh, one of the things that I, I, I've noticed, and I've kind of wanted to know from like a from the from a therapist perspective, right? Is like you see, I see this a lot of times uh, in either my immediate circle or just casually by doing this show and meeting a bunch of different people. But I see, I don't know if it's a. I, I guess I would call it maybe an overcorrective frame of mind, right? Where it's like you have. I see a lot of times where either ki- parents were you know pretty poor let's say when they were children or at least not as well off and then they are fortunate enough to be in a situation where they they make a substantial income and they're able to provide everything and they go well i'm going to make sure that i my ch- child never wants for anything right and it's and it's hard cuz they they're they're at a point where they go, I don't know when to stop and when to keep going. Because at the one hand, I want to teach them discipline and learning and working for it because that's where I got where I am. But at the same time, I don't want them to have to be saddled with the, the complex that I had growing up too. And I, and I have a lot of parents that are asking me like, well, what, do we, what do we do with that? What is the best approach forward? And then the same token, it goes with being super strict or super flexible. I think the same principle applies. And I want to get your kind of perspective on that
2: yeah um <laughs> as a therapist a whole lot of my job uh, in any situation is to say okay you've got this one thing on one s- side on one extreme you've got this other thing on the other extreme and we tr- we tend to fall into the extremes you know so right. let's think of what would be somewhere in the middle how what would it look like to do something that's somewhere in the middle um and so so uh when you I, I talk to a lot of parents, especially dads mm-hmm. right so so a dad that is a dad you know today most likely I think I can say this most likely did not have a dad that was very that was being a dad the way that that you're trying to be a dad
0: oh sure so sure
2: very different right 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 and right. so so if you are – so you're making a correction and you're saying I'm going to be more present for my child. I'm going to be present for their feelings. I'm going to be supportive. I'm going to do all – I'm going to accept them just the way they are, you know, and you, you, you're you doing all these things. So so parenting is – but parenting is very intuitive and we really can parent – the most easiest way to parent in a sense or the you know most natural way would be to do just what our parents did. Right. We can do that easily. We can fall into it, but if we if we really don't agree with that, then we want to do something different. And so when we do something different, we are basically kind of walking in the dark because mm. we we've never experienced that kind of parenting. And so so we do fall into kind of it, it is hard. We do often fall into the opposite extreme. And uh, I think you know to to prevent that, uh, I. One thing that I say to so many people parenting books are not a bad thing. You know, right. like self help, it's not a bad thing. Just remember that every, you know, the, the problem is people will come up with some theory that isn't actually a full book and then they have to write a full <laughs> book and then sure. everything is about that. Right. But, uh, right, but like, are right. people who are figuring this out? Listen, read, research. And I think that's why I say a good parent is the parent that is willing to grow and, and say, you know what, maybe I am, I, I need to make sure. I'm more likely to fall onto this extreme. Like, for example, I myself, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm very flexible and in, in, in lenient like in life. You know, I can go along with a lot of stuff. I'm just, you know, like I go on an right. adventure and I'm like, that's fine. I'll go either way. Like, it's an adventure. I'm not very rigid. Um, so my, uh, my danger uh, as a parent is to be too flexible with my child. Sure. And I just know. That is where I will probably fall. So if I try to be a little more structured and a little more rigid, it's very unlikely that I will be too rigid. Because that's just not where I move. Okay. Um so it's okay, you know, for me to say I'm gonna do a lot of like an extra effort and to try to be somewhere in the middle. And just by being a little more rigid, I don't have to fear like, oh my god, now I'm being terrible like my dad was.
0: Sure. Um, okay. I can
2: be a little more rigid and be somewhere in the middle between being super you know, liberal or whatever and being
0: sure. super rigid. Sure. Do you think so, do you think maybe a, a good a good starting point for a lot of these parents who may be struggling is to say, where is like what are you overcorrecting, right? So it's like if you're if you're trying to overcorrect being too rigid and you're super flexible like you were talking about, is it maybe trying to first identify what you're overcorrecting yeah. and, and how you're overcorrecting and then say, okay, now we know you're all the way over here. So let's get you to at your most be in the middle so you know what that feels like and then you're never worrying if you're being too one or the other. Is that kind of a a good way forward?
2: (laughs) Well yes, all of that except for the last where you're never worrying. I think you will always worry. (laughs) That's a good point. That's a good point. That is a part of being a parent is just to, you know, not exactly know. Right. I think you know what helps us is to to know. You don't have to get it exactly right. You know, like you can worry if you're getting it right all the time and uh, you, you just don't have to, you just do your best and you, you figure it out.
0: Right. Absolutely. And, and that, speaking of like figuring it out, I know one of the things that you do, I want, I want, since you were talking about being a therapist, I want you to talk to me a little bit about your company, Launchpad Count. Was it Launchpad Counseling? Your is that that's your private? Yeah. yeah, yes. Let's talk a little bit about the the kind of genesis for how that came about, how you got that started, and what that's what that has really looked like for you over the the last little bit.
2: Yeah, well, I'll I'll tell you that in in how it relates to you know me then writing the children's book and sure. all that, um, because I'm my training actually i in Paraguay. I went to school to be uh, I was in marketing. so something totally different and uh i was having a really hard time i was closeted paraguay is a very homophobic country right um not just was i closeted i i i you know i was raised very conservative christian so i you know believed that these things were all wrong about me and all of that sure and so i came to the united states actually because i i I hoped to change uh there's something called conversion therapy that supposedly changes your sexual orientation and so i that's what I wanted. but I, I disguised it because I was also interesting in, in helping people, really helping myself, but I, you know, disguised it in helping others. Sure. And came to get my master's in counseling. And so in that time, you know, I figured out that conversion therapy is actually not a therapy and it doesn't work and all that. And right. I learned to love myself, uh, became a counselor. And uh, after, you know, some years of working in juvenile detention and, in uh, you know, with juveniles and working at government agencies, nonprofits, I started my practice called Launchpad Counseling. So I was a play therapist as well, I, which means I use games and uh, toys and, you know, playing to help children process their stuff. Um, and then in private practice, I realized, oh, wow, you know, there's, there's a lot of parents that really want to help their children because before that I was working with families, low-income families that were parents which really didn't have the time and um and so I started working with parents more and that's how I got more into parent coaching um and then at the same time you know I also work with adults and so right now I actually it's kind of split so my at, in, at my work and I work mostly with adults um who may, may or may not be parents even and uh and then I wrote the book which is a separate story and then right. there I you know I might go to a school and I work with with kids and reading the book and, and using fun ways to, to internalizing those, the kind of empowerment messages that I have. Right.
0: What, what has been some of the most rewarding experiences you've had by having launch pad counseling and by also being a play
2: therapist as well? I think just um, the most rewarding thing is to see people, you know, be, I want to say change, but, you know, grow. And and be free of certain beliefs because I will you know and I have a friend a very good friend was a therapist too and sometimes we say to each other you know we're like and we recognize it in ourselves too but we say you know uh, isn't it sad how people will walk around with certain beliefs about themselves that aren't true but they're so convinced that they are right um, and so to see somebody that comes in you know and 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 just believes that they are in i don't know that they're a bad person or you know things like that and then to to see them accept themselves and find their strengths and even find their weaknesses and be okay with them um those those are things or even people coming in with, with these big secrets you know that they're really ashamed of and and being able to say them and speak them out and realize that you know you you're, you're not really worse than other people right. <laughs> we're all in together right uh, i think that's the most rewarding thing So... That's fantastic.
0: And I know that there's been a couple of people that have talked to me specifically about, you know, interested in finding a, a play therapist and, and uh, maybe a little unsure of it. So if, so what would a typical, I guess a typical day kind of look like for you? If you, if you're working with children in play therapy, what does that kind of structure look like for you, for those that may be a little unfamiliar with the practice? Oh,
2: okay. Yes. And, and, um, and I, I actually supervise therapists, um, okay. to become licensed. And so so I'm not working currently with children, but I'll tell you about what it would be like to sure. uh, a play therapist. Basically, there's play therapy is just therapy, you know, kid, children's therapy that involves a ton of different ways to do therapy. So just like talk therapy, could be many ways, right? It could be Freudian, where you lay down and you talk about all your life, or it could be CBT, which is cognitive behavioral, and you're really just talking about your thoughts and how you can have better thoughts. Sure. So sure. like anything. And play therapy, but most of the time play therapy, uh, basically a child comes in a session and what you say in the beginning is this is a safe space, you know what you say or play in here uh, stays in here unless you do something that, you know you say something that could hurt you or put you in danger um, but in here you can do almost anything that you want to do and you can say anything you want to say and if there's anything that you that you can't do, then I will just let you know. So what do you want to do? And so, you know, there's all kinds of toys and, and games in there. Um, mainly, you know, toys that kids can adapt, not just, you know, not like board games that are a little more rigid, sure. but like stuff that they can adapt to play out their stuff. And so a play therapist will listen to what and, – and watch for what the themes are that come up in play. So in a couple different sessions, the child might like play – that there's a traffic congestion and the next time they might play, like there is a, a party and this one person can't get there or, you know, and so oh, you, you, okay. you get to the theme of it and then you, you don't usually play with the child. You do a lot of saying back what is happening. And so children, understand what's going on it's crazy they understand it they realize it and you're saying oh my god you know there's a traffic congestion he's like yes and there's an accident nobody can get to him and i'm like oh my god nobody can get to him that's terrible and what's gonna happen and so i'm you're more kind of like a you're relating what's happening and talking and saying it how this keeps playing and so that's often it's kind of the same if you think of like an adult would come and tell you the thing that happened. You, you're not necessarily discussing the details of the situation but you're discussing the sense and the feeling and that is really what matters and so in that sense i mean i i love play therapy it, it goes so much deeper than than just sitting down with a child and discussing what happened and how they should think about it which sure. is what any parent could do anyway so you need a therapist often to kind of go deeper into this kind of stuff
0: Gotcha. And do you think that a lot of times with play therapy is the, is the goal trying to help maybe a child is having, you know, I I guess I would say difficulty processing emotions or difficulty processing the day-to-day and you're kind of helping them get the tools they need in order to process all of the different feelings they might be feeling in in a specific situation. Okay. Yes.
2: Yes. And you do that also. I mean, again, by natural, you know, normalizing a lot of stuff like, Oh my God, um, you know the traffic situation for example, that must be so scary. Oh my god, that is so scary, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah, and like who's scared and how do they those feel and it's so much easier for a child to say That guy in that car is so mad, right? That's right. much easier to say than I was so mad, right? And so we can oh my god, he's so mad that must be so hard And so we're not we're normalizing all of this and we're saying people do get mad people do get sad It's okay um, so what does he need? What does that person need? Well, maybe he needs somebody else to support him. Okay. Right. And so we might add that in. Um, so that's definitely a, a part of it. Very nice. Very nice. It's so, very active. so people, and then the kid gets out, right? And tells the parent, the parent will, you know, I mean, I instruct the parent to please not ask the child, what did you play? Because you don't ask other people like, exactly, what did you talk about in your therapy session? Right. Okay. But um, the parents will, you know, automatically be like, how was it? What did you do? And kid's like. We just played.
0: Right. <laughs> and
2: it is song We just came to play. I'm like, no, actually, it isn't. Right. But, um, yeah.
0: It's, That's fantastic. You know I love it. That's so fantastic and insightful, too. I mean, there's a lot of time. You see a lot of this stuff. I mean, I I know, speaking from experience, there are a lot of other situations where you're talking to other parents, and they throw terms around, like, play therapy or, you know, this or that. And you, as a parent, not wanting to seem like you don't know what's going on, are like, yes, of course, yes, totally. <laughs> and then you're like, hold on, I've got a phone call. And you're like, Google, uh, what is play therapy? <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah, it's... it's... All-
2: we're all like, you know, the funny thing is what you're saying is like, that's all of us, right? Right. Just trying to fit in and like be look like appear competent enough. Right. Because the other guys are also Googling it. Right. Like at one time, just reminds me of a story. Like I, I go to to school and pick up my daughter and this, we, we had um, this thing where they gave us some extra free donuts, you know, a few days before. So this one kid is like, is it true that Zoe got a free donut? I said, Well, did she tell you that she did? Yes. Okay, so Zoe doesn't lie. Like, yes, it yeah. is true. Right. Believe her, you know? So it's like, okay. And I felt just kind of strong or whatever. Like I'm like, I believe in my daughter. Right. And then I go to the other table, the other kid's like, Is it true that Zoe has a horse? What? I'm like, oh
0: <laughs> Well Zoe doesn't lie, like, so <laughs>
2: I'm to go to Zoe, and I'm like, Do you tell people you have a horse? And she's like Yes, because everybody has horses. Oh, my God. Oh, maybe one kid who has a horse, maybe. It may made up. And now everybody else is making it up to not feel excluded, and everybody feels like they're less than. Right. And so that reminds me of what you're saying. Like yeah. You're googling the to, to appear like you know what you're talking about. Exactly.
0: <laughs> We're all just perpetually stuck in imposter syndrome. That's all it is. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, spe- so speaking of your daughter and... And just your relationship with her, I want you to kind of walk me through. I know this is going to be a lot, but I want you to walk me through your experiences. Uh, and there's a couple here, but your experiences specifically coming out, uh, meeting your partner, and having your daughter. What was what were all those experiences like for you? And and kind of what was your like personal journey and evolution through each of those phases?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're asking me to, to describe about like. 10 years I'm really right like. yeah um, that's all no big deal <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just be, um, right but, but when I when I when I uh you know I, I came to the United States and I kind of accepted myself and all that and I was ready to go back home to Paraguay so I went to Paraguay I I uh, came out like I did like the official coming out some people sure. knew that I was gay but even people that knew that I was gay at that time it was kind of like, Hey, I have this thing. It's bad. It's sinful. It's horrible. And I'm working on it. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a coming, you know, it wasn't like, Hey, this is who I am. So, so then I I went back and I I told people in Paraguay and I was ready to be like, I'm like free and out and I'm going to go and I'm going to date. Like I never did before. And like without shame and be happy. And so I came (laughs) and two days later I met the guy that's now my husband. And, um, and part of me was kind of like, Oh my God, this dude is amazing. And right. the other part of me was like, shit, I really wanted to date. long. <laughs> like, you know, like, I guess date like I could date him, but like, I wanted to be like just free. Right. Um, but, um, but I couldn't let, you know, it, it, it really was, it was a really cool, like it was a cool connection we had. It was great. I, you know, most of, most part of the, the biggest part of me did not want anybody else or anything else. And, and so we, we started, uh, we got pretty, I don't know if serious is the right word, but we, we hung on every day, you know? Right. Um, and so after a few years, uh, we, you know, we moved in together, uh, not after like after a year or so. And then eventually talked. One of the things that I asked him in one of our first times that we've been together was I said, I, I just want to ask you, I'm not asking for now or anything. I just want to know where you stand with this. And I just want to know, do you ever want to be a parent? Mm. And, um, and he said, yes. Um, and so I said, fine, that's good. And that's all I need to know right now. I just don't want to, I just didn't want to be with somebody that would all like right away be like, no, that's not for me. Sure. Uh, and I, Kids, right? I mean, I chose a career like a, where I work with kids, so um, so that was just that. And then later on, we when we were ready, we we're like, yes you know, let's have kids, uh, or have a kid. Um, we looked at what our options are, and we landed with um, on adoption, and we decided for open adoption, which means that the birth, the child, you know, maintains a relationship with their birth family, and um, and that sounded like the, the healthiest thing for the child. And uh, I wouldn't have it any other way, honestly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that happened. She was born. She was, uh, I mean, we had, we met her birth mother when she when her birth mother was pregnant uh, two weeks before the baby was born, Zoe was born. And then we were there at the hospital when Zoe was born and uh, had a little room. And we hung out with Zoe there all day long for two days or so until they get discharged. Then we stayed for two weeks with the birth grandparents. Oh, wow. Uh, because we couldn't leave the state uh, yet. Oh, okay. This process, yeah, because it's not actually your child, right? Like, adoption takes a Sure. Uh, and so um, so we stayed with them, we built a relationship with them, and then eventually, you know, came back home, and so we grew up, and now she has, uh, I mean, she, she has a, she goes, every summer she goes and spends at least a week with her birth grandparents who are, she calls Oman Opa, which is German for Uh, grandma and grandpa and they are actually (laughs) also from germany so it's kind of a weird coincidence oh that's Uh, really cool
0: though because because, uh, yeah like she's still getting the that cultural aspect as well
2: yeah yeah so uh and 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 so her birthday is huge she just turned seven and we celebrate her birthday this weekend and her birth mother and her birth grandparents will be here and she has a the tradition is that she decorates her cake or cupcakes with Herbert's mom, who, who she decorates cakes. So they do that together. And um, so they have, they have a cute relationship and it's, it's, it's great to see that
0: that's really fantastic so talk me through and I know that was a lot you did a really good job condensing about 10 years into about five minutes so congratulations to you well, <laughs> <laughs> but I want you to talk me through now the genesis of writing your book what does a princess really look like and I really want to dive into the the origin of it where you got the thought for it how it came to be and then kind of where it stands yeah, now right. you, you talked about yeah. like going on and, and doing some appearances and reading for different schools so let's kind of talk through all of that as well
2: yeah so so um, it, it the whole thing kind of started I think the first thing that happened was that um, when we had a, a child you know one of the things that you worry about as when you are a you know two dad family is that your child especially in, in a place where we live in Richmond pretty liberal pretty good but there's not a lot of dads Uh, two dad families, so, you know, will they feel different because they have a different kind of family and so you buy all the books, uh, all the children's books that have two dads in it. But the thing was with those books is that all of them kind of explain that all families are okay, basically, right? They just say, you know, Jason has two moms and, you know, uh, one mom does this, the other mom does that and whatever has two dads and one dad does this and one dad does that and so we did that and those are beautiful and wonderful books and they're great for what they you are but but eventually i think she, i think so it was like four. she was kind of like she didn't want to read him, and i'm you know i'm here like why don't you want to read right. and she was like i want to read about girls you know she didn't want to read about parents
0: or uh, families. okay that
2: made sense and uh what then then just a little bit later she was reading it and i think maybe she said this because i was like pushing those other books but she says she said, you know, the girls in these books don't have two dads.
1: Oh. And
2: that was, mine was like, you know, we, and, and, but, by, by the way, you know, a little, like chapter books, like middle grade books do this a little more where they have people with gay parents and they just happen to be gay parents. It's not an issue. Sure. Um, but in books, we're not incorporating that very naturally yet. Um, and so I was just saying to a friend, I was just saying, you know, there, there's got to be more books where kids just happen to have two moms, two dads or whatever, you know, different families. And, um, and so then that was one thing that was just in my mind. Like I need to write one, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't a, a book writer. I wrote blog articles. I didn't. Right. And so, um, so then later what happened was we were at the playground and Zoe is playing with me and she says, Hey, let's play princess and knight. And I said, okay, sure. What is what does the knight do? And she says, he fights what does a princess do and she says she puts her hand like her wrist kind of to her forehead i don't know if that makes sense oh yeah said, yeah cool right and she says she looks beautiful and i was like oh that's that there's no skill in that like right you, guys, you know and so she but she wanted to play it and i'm a play therapist so right, I said, right. okay, i'll fight you look beautiful but can we then after that turn it around and can i look beautiful and you fight Right, and so she was, yeah, sure, and so she did it, um and we we turned this around a, a couple of times, and she loved being the fighter, right, right, but part of me, you know, I realized that that, like when I was a kid, I wanted to be the princess, I was the gay little <laughs> gay boy, like, I wanted to be the princess, right, and I wasn't allowed to, And so now I wanted to her to play princess all the time, but the truth was she is just cast in this part of being this princess that doesn't do much. And that's not her choice. That's where society is putting her into. Right. And so that's a very different situation. Um, so so a couple, you know, fast forward to a couple of weeks later and she, she's asking me, can you draw me a princess? And I started drawing and I was like, you know, it's beautiful hair and it's a beautiful dress and like it's going down that. And I thought, oh, my God, like I'm feeding this.
0: right? We mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. so start over. And I kind of toss that out. And started with the body like, you know, she has a crown because she is responsible for a lot of big decisions for the kingdom. And she has uh you know, in her head is her brain, she's super smart and she is observant because she can see what people need. And so, you know, her arms are strong. And so we kind of did like it's kind of a body positivity thing that sure we go through the body, but by the what the body actually does instead of what it just looks like. Right. Um and so the next day I, I tell my same friend that I mentioned before and I say, Hey, this is what we did together, and my friend's like, Hey, that's your book. <laughs> and so I you know, that started the journey. I mean, it goes through so many edits that it ended up a different story from when we started it. Right. But um but you know, it, in the end it's this book about and so my daughter's name is Zoe and the character's name is Chloe, so it's kind of like an alter ego. Sure. Um and uh, that's what Chloe does. And she just happens to have two dads in the book. But the dads don't do a whole lot. Um it's really about her and that's that, and actually, um, I will add this. The coloring book is the companion coloring book. It has it drives home a little more of those concepts. Okay, um, just came out in March. So oh, perfect. That one is called "The True Colors of a Princess."
0: Perfect. Let me do this. And so, listeners, right now, if you are listening to this show, scroll down in the episode description or go to the show notes. And I have put the link for these books so you can go purchase it right away and make sure you have it and that you're good to go. That excites me about a coloring book. What's like up? On Amazon. Or- oh, yes, absolutely. Give <laughs> it a review. Let
2: really, people review it.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I know. I was excited when you said uh, coloring book because it's my. Yeah, my kids are uh, oh, all into color. Well, my I mean, both my kids read as well, but my kids are really, really, really into coloring books right now. So that is fantastic. I'm super excited for that. So and it's
2: actually more than a coloring book. A little bit, we you know we we designed it as a coloring book at first, and then it turned into it's a little more of an activity book. So oh, okay, it has perfect. Like, like a maze, like you know, like a maze and some things that like that you get to add the the strong arms and things like that, and then it has some prompts like. It, the book talks about, also, one thing that the book talks about is, like, you don't have to be perfect. Uh, you, you don't have to do all of these things, right, and and, and be perfect at all of them, and so um, so it talks about, like, kids can draw about a mistake that they might have made, um, they can draw about, and also, you know, print, there's a princess that changes the world, but you know what, in reality, it's not just one princess, it's many princesses working together, um, and so can you draw a set of bunch of Girls or princesses, or whatever, changing the world. Oh, that's fantastic! And so it kind of like have that, so it's, it's it's a little more interactive than a coloring book.
0: Yeah, I love it. I'm looking at it right now. That's fantastic. So yes, we'll put both. What does a princess really look like, as well as the true colors of a princess coloring book companion to what does a princess really look like in the show notes? So you can go ahead and purchase it right away for the children in your life who are excited to know what a true princess really looks like. So that is. Fantastic. And before we start wrapping this up, Mark, I want to know what has been one of your proudest parenting moments.
2: Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think, you know, again, like as, as we talked about here, you know, my nature as a therapist, and I'm a therapist because I was already, you know, into self awareness and and things like that. So I think I think probably my most proud moments are moments where you know, like before bedtime, when it's like they talk to you a little more. Yeah. Um, you know, part of it because it's bedtime and their defenses are lower and they're oh, laying down and it's, like, it's just good. The other part is just they're just stalling because they don't want to go to sleep.
0: Right. Um, That's the one I'm going to
2: It's like the perfect recipe for, for certain conversations, you know, and, and it's where you ask certain questions. And, um, and I think those moments of connection, um, and so it has to do maybe with just the type of questions that she might ask or things she might say. Um, but that moment, I think those are, I don't know, if my, I, I don't know if I can say proudest. I, th- I, I think it is my proudest. I, I, I feel maybe I feel as my best. As
0: sure, a parent, think, sure.
2: Moment, right. But I just uh, love that connection with it.
0: That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for that, Mark. And now we are getting to my favorite segment of the episode, the dad joke of the week. This is a segment where I will lob dad jokes at the unsuspecting guest in an attempt to get them to laugh um, while the <laughs> audience groans. But uh, I can't hear the audience. I can only hear the guest, so It works out. But before I get started, I always like to give my guests first crack. So, Mark, do you have any dad jokes you would like to offer up?
2: Oh, my God. I'm going to like totally mess this up. I have one, <laughs> but but you can edit it if I say it wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> my daughter got it like, you know, like we told her, somebody told it to her when she's like three. So she was constantly repeating it totally wrong and it made no sense. <laughs> but um, I think it was like, why did the toilet paper roll down the mountain? I don't know Why? Because it needed to get to the bottom. Uh, No, that's it. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. So what happened? Uh, Why did the toilet paper not get to the bottom? I don't know. Why? It got stuck in a crack.
0: Uh, Okay, that's good. That's a good good two-parter. I love it. Oh, that's so good.
2: The way my daughter told it was, was, why does the toilet paper stay in the privates? Uh oh! <laughs> no
0: no no! That's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Oh man! All right. all right, all right, all right, all right. So let me. Where did I put them? Okay, here we go. Uh, da-da-da-da. mark. Did you know that milk is the fastest liquid on Earth?
2: I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's pasteurized before you even see it. <laughs> it's uh past. Your eyes, and it's also pasteurized uh, before you even see it. Yep, uh, there it is. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Mark, I don't know if you knew this about me, but I used to work in a shoe recycling shop, but uh, it was soul-destroying. It was soul-destroying. Yes. (laughs) Uh, S-O-L-E. Yep. All right, uh, last one. Uh, My my mom actually gave this to me, so I don't know if it's classified as a mom joke or if it's still a dad joke, but she just hijacked it. She told me this at dinner tonight. She said, uh, past, present, and future got locked in a room, and it got a little tense. It got <laughs> a little tense. Yes, past, present, and future tense, that is, in the room. Well, those were the Dad Jokes of the Week. Mark, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what is the best way for them to do that?
2: Yeah, my I'm actually, right now, I'm the most active on Instagram. It's Ooh, my perfect. favorite one. It, Instagram stays away usually from the most, you know, difficult. I don't know politics and things like that. Sure, beautiful sure. Pictures of, of babies and cats. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so Mark Lowen, my last name is L-O-E-W-E-N. Um, Mark Lowen, author, is my my name on Instagram, Perfect. Facebook as well. Those are good ones. Marklowenauthor.com is my website. Um, but yes, I, I post most about our family, things we do, and then, you know, things about raising girls and things like that. So perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for coming
0: on today. It's been an absolute delight. And we're going to put all your info Thanks, in the Dave. show notes. Yes, absolutely. So, listeners, we've got another great guest with some more great content on the way for next week. So stick around, come back next week, and you'll have another great. Uh, segment oh I almost forgot we need a hashtag for this episode mark should we go with hashtag real princess no okay um, <laughs> um,
2: hashtag true colors of a princess
0: hashtag true colors of a princess perfect long but
2: it's 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 better than what does a princess really look like right right
0: <laughs> all right well perfect all right well thank you so much mark and listeners until next time hashtag true colors of a princess and hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, Thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O now.com.